0: Hello and welcome to Grace Church Vienna. As Lucas Marsa continues with our series through the Gospel of John this Sunday, he will focus on Jesus claiming to be the light of the world. Tune in today to find out how this statement is connected to a condition and what consequences result out of this. Can we have fellowship with God while walking in the darkness at the same time? Or does walking in the darkness uncover a different truth? Well, let's shed some light on this now. happy that Lucas and Geraldine and their whole family are here today um, and happy to see you live this time. <laughs> and uh, as you know, we're going, currently going through the book of uh, Gospel of John and currently we're at John chapter 8. Um, how, and, and today we're talking about, Lucas is talking about how to look at the light. John eight twelve says, against Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. We will have the light of life. Wonderful. Good morning to all of you. Uh, Good to be here. And uh, I was here a month ago, roughly a month ago. And um, last time uh, I was here, I talked about how to eat the bread. And so I read the passage for today, for today's sermon. And I thought, well, if I talked about how to eat the bread. Why not talk about how to look at the light uh, this time? So it's kind of become a two-part mini miniseries. Um, so that's what we're going to do today. How do we look at the light? And um, yeah, maybe something I think all of us have learned in our lives. I- I'm pretty sure every one of us has learned this so far. Uh, you have all learned don't look into the sun, at the sun with your bare eyes, right? Have you ever, have you tried that? Have you tried that? <laughs> Yes? Yes. Uh, how did it work? How long, how long could you take it? How long can you look up in the sky and look at the, at the sun? Like, it's a couple of seconds, or then you have all these spots, like you see every spots, right? Uh, I mean, I've tried that multiple times. I thought maybe when I was a kid, I'll try to, and I failed, and so the next day I tried again, I still failed, like, it, it would never work. Um, so we know we shouldn't, but still, we try to look at the sun. Uh, and of course, uh, you, we all know it can really damage our eyes even. Uh, we can't look at the sun without any proper protection i mean even if we use sunglasses that's not not even good enough right so uh, i remember like when i was a kid uh, my brother who you all know he he has a telescope st- i think he still has the telescope uh it's a very very good one and um when you have a telescope one thing you should never never do is point the telescope right at the sun you know um i mean like you know if you have a magnifying glass and you hold it against the sun it can start a fire. So these things really can burn things up literally like they can start fire. Um, so never, never use a telescope to look at the sun. But my brother, he had a special gadget, uh, which was a sun filter. So like another, another lens you can screw on attached to the dead telescope. And essentially I think it was just like the lens, like it was made up of like thick dark black glass. So if you held it up against a lamp, you couldn't see through it but we put it on the telescope uh, and we could actually see the sun then because it was such a strong filter. I mean, it kind of was greenish, but still, uh, it was amazing to look at the sun in magnification. And if you want to know more about, ask him. Maybe he'll give some tours or he brings it next time to the church, I don't know, charging one euro to look at the sun or something. Yeah, so um I haven't talked to him about it. <laughs> uh, but maybe he'll do that. So there are tricks that enable us to look... At the sun. But today we deal with a a different kind of light here. Okay, Jesus says in this verse, He claims to be the light of the world. And the question we want to answer is, How do we look at this light? And the question is, Do we need sunglasses? Do we need filters? Do we need anything else to look at this? So let us examine what Jesus is saying here and find out what He wants to tell us this morning. Uh, he, He said, I'm going to repeat it. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Okay. So Jesus makes a profound statement adds a condition and then there are two consequences. I tried to uh, put this up uh, on, on the, on the slides um, to make it, make it more visual. Okay. Maybe you can go to the next slide. Um, the first statement is that he is the light of the world. And if you follow him, That's the condition, it's actually not the slide, Um, I was looking forward to the the title, Uh, the next one. If you follow him, uh, which is the condition, then there are two consequences. Consequence A, consequence B. One is you will not walk in darkness, and the second is you will have the light of life. Okay, that's kind of how it looks like. Um, So, since Jesus uses images of light and darkness, our responsibilities, when you read the Bible, we have to ask the right questions, like, what is the light of life? What is darkness? What does it mean to live a life in, uh, in light? And what does it mean to follow him? And how, how is this all, how is Jesus the light of the world? Okay, how, like, how can Jesus say he is the light of the world? I thought the sun was the light of the world, right? I mean, that's kind of our natural observation, So what is Jesus talking about here? Uh, And if we read the next couple verses, the whole uh, story—we're not going to do that today. But um, maybe you already know the story; have read it before. Um, We will notice the Jews that Jesus is talking about, uh, talking to here—they are upset. Immediately, they are so upset; they almost want to kill him. Um, And Jesus—I'm just summing it up—you know—he says, "I'm fulfilling promises from the Old Testament here." It has to do with the Feast of Tabernacles, that the story is uh, happening at uh, the illumination of the temple and so on. We don't have enough time to explore it all, but in essence, this is Jesus. what Jesus says here. He says, you know what? I'm actually the light that also guided the Israelites back in the day during Moses' times, that li- gu- guided them through the desert. I'm that kind of light. And then they argue, Jesus is lying, and then who is who's Jesus' father? And he says, talks about his father. And to make it short, Jesus says here, I am this glory cloud of God in the desert. And I am God Himself, He says. And He also says, when you see Him, you see God. So I I think we understand maybe a little bit better why the Jews were so furious. Because He says here and says, I am God. And so He says, I am the light of the world. Which also means to them, I am your guiding light. I'm your guiding light in the darkness. And I'll jump ahead to verses 23 and 24 uh, here in John chapter 8. And you can also read along. And he, he tells them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. How do you like this verse? Do you like, I mean, do you like to hear that when someone tells you you have no idea what you're doing, but I know better. I mean, we hate that when someone speaks to us this way, right? Uh, but what, what if the person is right? Now, if, Jew, if Jesus is truly not of this world, if he's from above, it means he has a complete, completely different perspective than we do. And sometimes we are in our lives. Maybe we're not sure what to do, and we seek other people who might have more experience, uh, more experience than us. Uh, some people have more, a different horizon, maybe, and we might go and seek their advice. Say, like, can you help me with this? Can you uh, ask you about this? Um, and if they have something important to tell us, I think in the end we all agree that we were, we are glad that we have listened to them, because they might be able to tell us something new that completely changes our lives. But imagine now you go to a person who doesn't only have experience, but a person who is all-knowing. Or you go to a person who doesn't have a bigger perspective on things in life, but is the master of the course of history itself. And do you think at the end of the day that you would be glad that you listened to him, to that person? And Jesus tells us here, what you need is guiding light from above, and it is me," he says. And he tells us, he "says you are moving around in darkness, and of course it's going to happen that you stumble here, you stumble there, uh, and the problem with this darkness is you cannot even you don't even know why you're stumbling because you didn't see those obstacles in your way. Uh, you don't understand it. You just fall to the ground, you run into a wall, and you don't know why it happens." Does that sound familiar? Have you ever been there in your life? Where you just, maybe literally, but maybe also like just metaphorically, you hit a wall. And you say, ah, I wish I had known that there, there was a wall right here. I mean, n- nobody saw it. And now I'm hurt. I'm bruised. Yeah? I'm, and I thought I was going the right way. But obviously, this is not the right way. And Jesus says, we experience these things in our lives because mankind is living in darkness but mankind is also pretty much unaware of it. And why, why is there this darkness? I mean, the Gospel of John starts off with talking about the light and the darkness in the, in the, in the prologue, and it goes through all, uh, all of John and of Scripture. There's darkness because mankind's, mankind's rebellion has pushed God away, has pushed God's light away from us. And our sin, the Bible says, is the reason why we live in this world what is this ongoing dark night. Like not Batman Dark Night, you know, the the dark night with N, not with K. So we live in this dark night and we think soon enough, uh, if we we see enough, if we just would see enough, uh, then we would be all right, but we don't see enough. But if we did see enough, none of us would ask the question, uh, which direction should I go in my life? Which path should I pick? What should I do next? Where is my life heading? Have you ever asked yourself questions like that? I mean, I know I have. Where is my life heading? Where am I going? What, what What should I do here and there? And if you feel driven by these kind of questions, I think the wisest thing would be to stop and to admit, to say it's true, I'm living in a state of darkness. But since every one of us is in this state, we think it's normal. So we don't believe there's a darkness. And the problem is, we cannot see darkness. We can see light, but we cannot see darkness. That's why we're blind to it. And since we don't have enough wisdom, we can't can't get it on our own, Uh, we also have to admit we don't have the light within us that will shine on our path. And because there's this darkness in this whole world and it's it's all surrounding, there's also the reason why this world has become hostile. You know, when God created the world, it was a safe place for mankind. It was a good place. But since darkness entered, as things are now, sooner or later, this world will kill you. And Jesus says, it's that serious. It will kill you. You're going to die in your sins, he says. And he's calling us from his perspective from above. He says... I'm the one who can bring this light that you need. But if you don't listen to me, if you don't believe that I am he, the only one who can accomplish that, if you don't believe that, then you will perish. You will die in your sins. And if, you, if you're right now, if you're listening to this and you think, okay, well, unfortunately, unfortunately, sin is not a problem for me personally. If you think that, then sin is still doing a great job in your life of keeping you in its darkness. And on the other hand, if we do decide to trust him, he will take us to consequences A and B. What were consequences A and B? Maybe we can we, can, we see it again up, up here. Consequences A and B. We will walk in darkness no more, and the light of life will be with us. Jesus promises to guide you, okay? Uh, to get you to the goal. I mean, let me, let me tell you this this morning. Uh, Jesus' promise is even stronger than your own failures, okay? than your own inabilities. So do you know what it means if Jesus says, I'm going to take you to the finish line? It says that even you cannot mess up the good plans that God has for you. Okay? He will do it for you, he promises. And even when you fail him, he will do it for you. And he says the only thing that's necessary is to follow him. He says, whoever follows me. And I think that's A short uh, phrase here that we need to pay more attention to. The next question. What does that mean, to follow him? I mean, does it follow him mean keeping his commandments? Hmm? Or to imitate Jesus, just to try to be like Jesus? To follow his examples? I mean, there's truth truth to that. I would agree. But, I mean, doesn't that make Jesus no different than any other religious leader in the world? I mean, these days, doesn't everyone look for followers? Yeah. We might be followers of people who think they're great on on social media and say, Hey, I'm interested about this here and I like, I like this person here. I'm going to click and I'm a follower. That's easy. And that's what we, what really, what people look for these days. When Jesus talks about following, he's not looking for lots of members and subscribers to his channel or his stream or whatsoever. Just look for the big crowd here. What does Jesus mean when he uses the word follow? And today I'm, I'm focusing on the following, on the beginning part of following. I mean, following means keeping his commandments, keeping his, keeping his, his, his word and everything. But right now, if I ask you, okay, what's, what's, the, what's important about a journey? You say getting out of the car is important at, at the end of a journey, right? But the most important thing is getting into the car first. And that's what we're going to look at today. How to get into the car, get onto this journey and get to the finishing line so let's look at at verse 28 together verse 28 uh, gives us a hint about this answer about the following So jesus said to them when you have lifted up the son of man then you will know that i am he and that i do nothing on my own authority but speak just as the father taught me jesus He's talking about his own crucifixion here. He tells the people, to sum it up, he, said, he tells them, hey, you want proof that I'm the light of the world? I have an idea. Kill me. That's basically what he's saying here. And eventually, we all know the story, eventually they did kill him. And the people thought, okay, well, finally, this nonsense talk about the light of the world and everything, is finally over. Yeah, and conveniently, even the whole land went dark when Jesus was, was crucified and died. But on Easter Sunday, which was celebrated last week, on Easter Sunday, a light began to shine that flooded the whole world up to this day. And in a parallel passage in John 12:32, he says something similar and adds an important detail. He says, and when I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. So with those two passages, Jesus is connecting some dots here. He says, how to follow me, to how to start to follow me, is to first to see Jesus lifted up, to see him crucified. Following him includes much more, of course. But if you want to be serious about it, you cannot miss the first step. And he says, the first step of following me is to look at him lifted up from the earth. And this is what he's talking about here. are you a follower of Christ or are you interested in becoming a follower of Christ what is necessary to become one become a follower of Christ the answer is here you must first see Jesus lifted up you have to see Jesus crucified but why why is that so important why isn't it enough to say hey I think Jesus was a cool dude he did a lot of good things so yeah I like him I fo- I'll follow his example why is the first step to see him crucified and lifted up? And he says, you know, it's not just about you following his teachings. It's not just about letting yourself be guided by his example. That's because if you, if you do that only, and if you start with that only, it's not good enough. It's not going to change me if I do that. Okay. And if that's, if that's all I'm doing, just following examples... It means I'm still lost. Why? Because following teachers, following rules, it will not turn my heart around. You need to place yourself before the cross and look at Jesus and telling him, you need to be my savior in my darkness. And if he didn't truly die for me, then there's no hope for me. And you have to become aware of this and tell Jesus, Jesus, you wouldn't be up on the cross if it wasn't for me, because that's also part of the story. And because of all that together, the cross, it humbles you. Jesus went up there because of you. It humbles you, but it makes you rejoice at the same time. Because unless Jesus is lifted up before you, you will always assume that you can fix what is broken. You will always believe, well, maybe I can find some kind of light within me. Uh, we feel uh, maybe I'm good enough to face God's judgment or something like that. You will believe that you are not too bad. But the cross tells every one of us you are so bad that it was necessary for the Son of God to give his life so that you can be fixed. You know, it's not, it's, there, there was no angel able to do that. There's no other human who's able, or, or, or an animal sacrifice, or anything that was able to satisfy the holy wrath of God that we drew upon ourselves by messing up his creation, by letting sin come into this world. You know, and if you, Even if you say, well, I'm only going to sin against myself, even then, you are a creation of God. You are hurting God's creation if you sin against yourself. And it, this in turn hurts God as well. But even though not you, not anyone else could fix this, The good news is that the one who could actually did it. And the Son of God came down from above and did what was necessary. And even though it cost him, him and the Father and the Spirit, cost him great pain, the greatest pain, he went through with it. And he still looks at you with loving eyes. And that's what brings us to the next consequence. Once you see Jesus lifted up, you know, if if you haven't understood what all this means, Jesus will become attractive to you. He says he will draw all people to himself in this verse. You will feel attracted to the one who sacrificed himself on your behalf. What does it mean practically? I mean, if Jesus becomes more and more attractive to you, and if you look at the cross, what's going to happen? If you tend to be like up here, if you tend to be too proud in your life, you will start increasing humility inside you. But if you feel too low, if you, if it tends to be a person who just despises yourself and you curse yourself or something, but you will feel increasing love and you'll feel acceptance inside yourself. And wherever you start off in your life, whatever happened to you in your life, whatever caused you sorrow, whatever caused you bitterness, let me tell you, your heart will be softened. Your heart will be softened the more you look and gaze at the one who has lifted up for you, your heart will become softer. And you cannot truly follow Jesus unless you have seen him lifted up, unless you've recognized what it means. He might be a rule maker for you. He might be a role model for you. But there's so much more than that. He is the light of the world. And how can we know that we're actually doing this right, the right way? How can we know that we're not walking in darkness anymore, that we have the light of life? I mean, take a moment right now. Look inside yourself. Take a moment. Ask yourself, is there something in you that you would call some form of darkness in you? And if you're honest with yourself, you will probably find this very quickly. Do you find something inside of yourself that you say, well... Something's not all right here. There's something that needs to change. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you will have this increasing desire that this darkness would have disappeared, that it will change. You will have a longing for change. And do you know how change within happens? How does change happen from the inside? Personally. Is it willpower? right? Like you say, I'm going to do it, I'm going to fix my mind on something. or self-control, self-discipline, you know, change happens when the things that, f- that you find attractive, change. Change happens when the things that you find attractive, change. Okay, When you see and realize the beauty of the light of the world lifted up on the cross, its shining beauty will have an effect on you. And this is how you are supposed to look at the light. Behold and meditate the meaning of Christ crucified. The beauty of Christ will start its work in you. Maybe, you know, when I talk about what's attractive to you, I mean, is there something in your life that you say, I mean, I think if I didn't have that in my life, I, I think I couldn't live without it? You have something like that in your life, you couldn't live without it. But can you imagine that whatever you think you cannot live without right now, it might become unattractive tomorrow? You know when, like when you buy new shoes, yeah, like and you have shiny shoes or something, yeah, bright shoes and you think, Hey, this, these are great and they're really attractive shoes. And then you say, okay, I'm wearing my new shoes and time goes by and suddenly you are maybe in a shoe store again. Look at your shoes and look at other shoes and you realize my shoes are not as shiny anymore as, as they used to be. And suddenly the shoes that you so loved, they become unattractive to you. Yeah. All new shoes become old shoes eventually. But Christ's light and Christ's steadfast love is new every morning. And it, it will remain to be new. That's the only thing that will remain to be new that, that's, that's out there. And the beauty of Christ is a continual experience. That things, things that drive you today, you cannot let go of today, they will become less and less attractive in the beauty of Christ. The things on earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory. And grace. And that's why we turn our eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. And if you look at the light this way, the beauty of Christ begins to take over. And how can you become pure? How can you stop uh, change and stop sinning? It's not through self training yourself in self control. You need to be attracted and captivated and fascinated. By Jesus Himself. And then self control will, will become something that you want and will do. You will expose yourself to the light, and the light will start its work in you. You know, when you think about plants, plants don't really do a lot of stuff, do they? Okay? There's, but there's one thing, and I don't know if, if plants have a, a consciousness, alright? Uh, but it appears that they consciously always, the one thing that they do is, they turn toward the sunlight did you did you know that the sunflower in the morning it faces the east and in the evening the end of the day it faces west because it, it follows the sunflower always follows uh, the Sun in a tree will stretch out its, its branches toward the Sun as much as the tree is able to do it beholds the light and what is the result apples oranges coconuts whatever yeah they leave the, uh, the, the pollination to the bees and they just take whatever water they can get from the ground. But the only thing they really maybe consciously do is they focus on the light. They stretch out, stretch out the branches to get some light. And the same principles apply to us, apply to the Christian life. Turn your eyes upon the light of the world every day and spiritual fruit will follow. You know, Like a tree We should be deeply rooted in the Word of God. It's another image here. Um, The Word of God will enable us to stand firm. And it will also enable us to face the light more and more. The tree doesn't try to grow apples and oranges and coconuts. The tree just tries to face the sun. And the fruit follows. I have one final passage for you. Can you still take it? One final uh, thing I think is also important to, to mention here. There's one, uh, one passage in 1 John 1, 5-7. And it states, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And I thought I'd just add this passage to this sermon because this is for all of you who honestly, you want to walk the right path. But you're also aware that there's still some kind of darkness within you at the same time. And you might say, I failed God. yeah. How can I claim be a follower of christ i I, i'm telling lies you know i still carry darkness within me i I feel this tension and this passage here it judges me i'm a liar i don't practice the truth what should i do about this how does god think about me let me tell you if you feel like this if you have felt like this before i think it's a very good sign let me give you an illustration you know um when we would have uh, guests at our home, when it was still legal to have guests at home, you know, in those days. Um, but when you have guests at home, uh, you know, they would we'd sit there in the evening um, and the guests would leave at some point, of course, and then you have some empty plates and, and bowls and glasses standing on, uh, on the table. And we would often have the lights in our living room just dimmed. And I would take a glass and say, well, this glass looks clean still. But then I take it to the kitchen where the light in the kitchen was much brighter and you look in the glass and say oh, the glass I thought it was clean, but it's not clean and I said, okay, I put it in the dishwasher and then it's clean, I take it out and I say, well, that's great but if you hold it up against a, like a light like the, uh, the sun or something you'll see, well, there's still some dirt in the glass even though it's, it came out of the dishwasher uh, it's not pure, it's not ready yet to be put on a really nice dinner table it's not, it's not clean yet and this is the principle that you have to take away from this passage. This is what it means when you come to Christ to the light of, of the light of Jesus Christ. The principle is, the more light there is, the dirtier it looks. You know, the godlier you become, the less godlier you feel. It, if you feel like that, it's simply a sign of walking in the light. And the promise of this passage in First John is, that we keep on walking in the light, the blood of Jesus is continuing to clean us. You will realize your own dirt more and more, but you will get cleaner and cleaner at the same time. Isn't that wonderful? I and mean, no one else can offer this other than Jesus, the light of the world. It's a unique situation. You will find nowhere else. You feel worse and worse and better and better about yourself at the same time. And if you feel that, did you feel worse because you're following Jesus? You're not on the wrong track, okay? You're exactly what you're supposed to be. It's the process we call sanctification, or a kind of purification that God has intended for you. And let me just tell you as we close like your God and Savior, you also will become full of grace, full of mercy. You will become humbler, you will become happier, happier without feeling better than others, okay? the fruit of the Spirit will become evident. Why is it important? Because in Matthew 5, 14, Jesus also says, you are the light of the world. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And then he tells his disciples, you are the light of the world. How does that work? It is because Christ is working in you and within you. If you walk in his light, his light is going to shine through you. That's your calling. Help others See Christ in you. I mean, don't try to show off and say, hey, look, I'm just a great Christian. But draw from the fruit that naturally grew because you were facing the light. You have been looking at the light. And that's the question. How do we look at the light just as we are? No filter, no protection. No showing off. No holding back either. Look at him who did not hold back either for you. Look at him on the cross. He appeared to you just as he is, and he gave himself to you. The light of the world was nailed to the cross. You've got to see him there. We We know he rose again, but you've got to see him there. You've got to remember what he gave, why he volunteered to even go up there, to call you, to save you, to change you. And once you get that, you will be able to make significant sacrifices for your Lord. And you'll gladly give yourself like he gave himself for you. So allow him to do this marvelous work in you and through you. You will realize everything else will become a loss. It will be worthless compared to this. Beholding and knowing Jesus is the greatest thing. So follow Jesus by looking at his bright shining light. Look at his loving, forgiving face you will not live in darkness but you will have the light of life let's pray Lord, we thank you this morning that we can come to you that we can draw from uh, from your spirit that you your spirit's working in in, in us that you have ignited the light that you i mean you have always been the light for eternity but you've brought it here to us into our darkness and it's starting It's 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 spreading wherever people go. That follow you, the light will become evident. We pray, Lord, that we can be individuals, but also a community of people who just seek your light, just trying to face you day by day, and be amazed about the fruit that you're going to bring, that you're going to let us let let grow that we couldn't bring about ourselves. So we thank you that we know that you are the light that we can look at you and that we cannot miss this first step, that we cannot do it on our own, we cannot fix ourselves, but first we have to see you crucified and lifted up and look at your love and look at your forgiveness, that our sins are taken away because you did that, and that liberates us, that frees us and enables us to, to do so much more than we could thought was possible. So we thank you, we praise you, and we love you. Pray this in your name.